Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions, not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words. Instead, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Lance Isios is a natural leader and born storyteller, but he's also an experienced veteran through adversity. Lance has faced some of life's most difficult challenges. He's battled addiction to alcohol for over two decades. He's lost his brother to suicide and lost his father to cancer within 18 months. After surviving major obstacles, Lance has pivoted his mindset to view adversity as a necessary ally to fulfillment and personal development. His new book, Mastering Adversity, Unlock the Warrior Within to Turn Your Biggest Struggles into Your Greatest Gifts, is now available. You can grab your copies at his Instagram, Lance Isios. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. I had the honor of being on your show last year. Can you tell us about some of the other people that you've had on your show? Because he's had some big names. You were also just on Dropping Bombs. You've been really making an incredible impact with your message, my friend. Thank you, brother. And I just want to preface that with saying how much people loved our conversation last time we were on my show. Your energy and just the way you flow is really awesome. I think we talked for an extra hour aside. Yeah, it was it was great. And yeah, man, the podcast has been such a blessing, you know, such a healing tool for me. And something that I didn't really even expect. I was blown away by how podcasting spoke to me and I just got so inspired in the first place. And you know, once getting that thing going and picking up momentum and once you land a big guest, you know, I had somebody like Grant Cardone and Dean Graziosi and then you start getting steam and then you you can get other people as well. And I had, you know, pro athletes, I've had some celebrities and a lot of really interesting doctors and freaking spiritual masters. And even like people that aren't well known and just like real badasses and really interesting because I love talking to people that are just inspirational. They got a cool story and it's literally changed my entire life and how I look at everything, including adversity. So Man, it's been such a blessing to be able to sit down with people, them open up, have that connection, and then know that people are listening. It's fucking magical, man. Like, there's no other words other than like, there's just something about having somebody share their story about adversity or the tools, and they're maybe they're an expert in neuroscience, whatever. But there's always something that I was able to learn from that just continually, you know, almost four years now, has just helped me grow and learn so much. So yeah, man, super passionate about podcasting and just the journey it's taken me on. And there's, as you're saying, there's a lot of people that we love their message and we listen to them. But like you say, when we had that interview with them, and then that leads us down this other road. And let's be honest, guys, with podcasting, there is a lot of podcasts out there that are kind of useless pap because they're just trying to pitch you and sell you all the time. 
And I understand that people are trying to make a living. I understand that. But if you don't have a podcast, that's at least giving you something valuable in the process. Then you're kind of wasting your time. You're really just putting a bunch of garbage in and you're only going to get garbage out. So Lance's message and the people that he has on the book that he just released, all these things, they have the attributes that you want. So I highly recommend that you support them as much as you can. And in a lot of podcasting, it's zero barrier for entry. There's not a whole lot necessary to get us in there other than a Wi-Fi connection and a computer sometimes. But the stuff that he puts out and the people that he's had on, I highly recommend listening to what he has to say. And the other thing is he's a person who's coming from a place of experience. There are a lot of fake gurus out there. There's a lot of people that are kind of regurgitating what other people have said, or they're taking stuff directly out of my book, your book, other people's books, and then claiming that it's their own. But once you have a conversation with somebody, once you really get to look them in the eye, or once you get to actually hear what they're talking about, you can see if they really have the goods, if they really practice what they preach. And the honest reality is I've had people say, oh, you wrote this book, The Gift of Adversity. So you've mastered adversity. No, even your book on mastering adversity is like, it's still going to be there. It's never going to go away. It's always going to be there. However, we can still learn to leverage it in a way that serves us. Often just our capacity to stand up in the face of adversity and embrace that may be the thing that gives somebody else the courage to step into, again, what for them may seem like a tremendous adversity. Adversity is not a competition. It's not, okay, you've gone through this, but I've gone through this. Everybody has gone through it and adversity binds us if we are willing to learn the lessons, which in my mind should help us understand other people that are going through hardship, give them that kind of pragmatic empathy when they need it, and then also be able to put those lessons and if we can apply it to ourselves, that's where the difficulty lies. Yeah, well said. And it's interesting because I called it mastering adversity for that exact reason. Because if you are seeking growth in your life consistently, you are always going to face the level of adversity that is going to challenge you at that moment. And like you, you mentioned, it's a great point. I think you might've done a post on this that I liked one time, maybe, or I can't remember, but there was like something about comparing adversity, like certain person has gone through this and certain person has gone through that, but it's where you're at at that moment that matters because certain people that might be really challenging for them. And then certain people it, are later on their journey and might be challenging for them. So whatever they're going through is going to challenge people differently at different times of their life. And what may have been challenging for us five years ago is not challenging anymore, right? It's not really, we've moved through it. The perspective has changed. And I think if you seek growth, if you seek the limits of yourself and you push, you face the fear and you do these things, you're going to be challenged with the next level of yourself, just like a video game. Each level gets a little challenging and you're like, oh shit, I'm kind of challenged here. And I think that's the beauty of life because that's when we overcome that is what we get. The fulfillment is what we seek. It's the journey, right? It's not the end result. Because how many times we get the end result, we're like, oh, I thought it was going to be better than that. But it's like embracing that journey in the moment. Like when it fucking sucks, it's hard to appreciate that. But if you know what's on the other side of that, you've done this before, then you know like, okay, this is going to be what I talk about later on a podcast or in a book. Like, Nobody gives a shit if you bought a fancy boat or house. It's like, how did you get there though? Like, What did you go through? That's what people care about. So I think that if you're going through a challenging time, like, just know that, man, 
this is what you're going to talk about later. Like, this is the thing. This is it. So embrace that, right? And that's not always easy. And, you know, we can talk about that more, but that's something that I've realized. And man, it's tough sometimes in the moment to see that as a gift, but you have to realize that on the other side of that is the gift. It's where you're going to be and how you're going to feel. And it's funny when we choose these paths, someone's like, why do you choose a podcast about adversity? Why do you choose a book about mastering adversity? I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. Next time I'll say mastering abundance because <laughs> I've learned that this, just the journey alone has challenged me in so many ways that I'm like, man, maybe I should be choosing a different, <laughs> different thing to master here. But yeah, it's just such a gift. And as you know, for our lives, this is what helps us grow. It is for better, or for worse, pain and discomfort, the best teachers. The reason why adversity punches us in the face is because it's like, are you fucking listening? Do I have your attention? Okay, here's a lesson. And sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we get in our own ego. Sometimes we get in our own inner narrative, which we were talking about. And we don't allow that to seep in. We allow ourselves to be distracted. We pacify ourselves artificially with bullshit technology or whatever it is that we're looking towards. So there are a lot of escapisms there. And just like you were saying, the post that you were sort of alluding to, I said, the people that try to one up you with your adversity, those are people that are toxic. Those are people who are like, oh, you think your Monday sucks? Well, let me tell you about my Monday. And those are people that are glorified victims. Those are people that can't wait to be victimized or offended by something. They are the victim so often they should be carrying around body chalk so that they can just put it around them at any given time. But the reality is we all go through it. So even those of us that have been through adversity, seeing a person acting like that, we have to just kind of step back and understand it's like, listen, unresolved trauma manifests in many ways. And maybe for this person, that's how they're dealing with it. But it's easy to see when they're kind of stuck in that pattern. But then again, like you said, without self-awareness, we will very much be damned to do the same thing over and over again. Even with your book, Mastering Adversity, just like you said, just because you've mastered it doesn't mean that you avoid it. If I wrote a book called Mastering Jiu-Jitsu, doesn't mean, okay, you read the book, you stopped doing Jiu-Jitsu. No, you keep doing it. As a matter of fact, you're probably better with it now. And adversity is very much a language. It's very much an art. And the more we can practice this, the more fluent we become in it. And then hopefully, the less likely we're going to get caught by it or ambushed by it in the process. And then we talk about addiction. We talk about loss. We talk about grief. Once we've been there, we can recognize another's. We can see it when they don't see it. And that's why it's so important. Can you tell us about an adversity that you've gone through? And there were a few that we mentioned, but the adversity that really helped you understand, first of all, the journey is fucking brutal. It is many ways hell on earth. It's torturous, but yet once you were through that, you were able to glean those gifts to get that knowledge. Because if it's something I've noticed that if we don't work hard for it, we don't respect it. It doesn't mean the same thing. Yeah, so true. You know, if I had to break it down, it would be the battle of overcoming ourselves every day. You know, we talked about off camera about the little things every day, the daily actions that really make the difference. And, you know, for me, that is the real adversity. It's like the fucking thing we see, it's a representation of how we're feeling in the moment because there's one day where that thing could be like, I'm fucked. I can't do this. And there's other days where like, I got this. And for me, personally, I've been like, every single day, it's a battle of overcoming myself, my fucking laziness, my bad habits, 
like the old persona, the old, the guy that was a bartender and working in nightclubs and, and womanizing for decades, right? For years, not decades, for like over 10 years, right? And that's where I got validation from, right? The party guy, women, when that's gone, who the fuck am I, right? And that's what I have battled with going back and forth with myself. Alcohol has been my thing that I've been struggling with. And a lot of people have this too. But that whole lifestyle has been such a challenge for me to let go of because I received so much validation from it. So every day I have to remind myself like, okay, today's a new day. Like, you, you know, especially the sobriety train, you know, I've a year sober, fell off, nine months, fell off, six months. Recently, I was seven and a half months. I was, I, I'm in Argentina. I fell off. I chose to fall off, but I regretted it after. I tell people this because I'm honest at where I'm at. I don't speak about things and pretend to be a fucking expert at shit I'm not. I'm like, here's where I'm at. I've shared the journey with people. I don't whine about it, but I'm like, these are the things that I'm dealing with. And within the book and just me in general, that is the biggest thing that I've noticed is that if I break it down, it's understanding myself, how I react to a situation, and what do I do when I'm tempted? What do I do when things get hard? Like, how do I overcome that every single day? And that has been the biggest challenge for me is that that old self, the stories, you know, the trauma creeping in. I'm like, we've been here before. We know this, but it's it's reinforcing that and and remembering that who do I want to be? Like, who do I actually want to be? Do I want to be that person? Do I look up to that person or do I, you know what I mean? That's been, I, I think for a lot of people, it's really just looking at yourself and saying, where am I at? How do I react when things get difficult? Do I go and drink? Do I go and watch porn? Do I need sugar? Do I eat at night? Do I distract myself? That is the thing that I've paid the most attention to is how do I react when things get challenging in my business? We've gone to hell and back the last couple of years, losing, you know, investing money, losing, having to revamp my entire team, investing in people. It doesn't work out. And being like, well, am I an idiot or is this just a lesson? Right. But being able to bounce back from that and to not get deflated because it's the belief that keeps you going. You know, everybody fails. Everybody goes through that shit, right? So for me, there's been literally every aspect in my life the last two years, two to five years, from deaths to business failures to all the shit that I have. And now I'm realizing what a gift it is because I've had to face it and overcome it. Because if I'm going to speak about this shit, I want to be able to help people and give people, people can see themselves in my story. Because I want to truly believe, like if I'm talking to you about something, I've been there. I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. And that's what I think about people online is like, yeah, but have you, what have you done? Like, you know, I'm not going to speak about being a billionaire. I'm not a billionaire, but I've overcome a lot of shit. And I, I will sit down with anybody. I can relate to people. I've been in the, I was a hockey player. I threw my career down the toilet. I did steroids. I'm, you know, a couple of years away from being pro. Fuck that up. Then I got into the bar industry. I lived in that life for a long time. You know, then I've been an entrepreneur, a podcaster, writer. There's been a lot of different lenses I've seen. So I feel like I can relate with people on a level of this stuff, of the challenges. And to kind of bring it back, it's like every single day has to be overcoming your yourself and knowing where you're at. Complete awareness of the stories you tell yourself, 
how you react. Do you get triggered? Like, how do you show up on social media? There's so many people that just highlight their wounds on social media that I'm just like, at this point, I'm like, man, fuck, you just need a hug. Like you need to like deal with your shit. Like, what are you doing? And that awareness, but people don't have it. So for me, I've had to develop that. That's been the biggest step with all of it is knowing me, knowing the stories of the past and understanding that I'm looking at my life right now through that lens. And in order to be able to see that through a clearer lens, I got to almost take a squeegee to that clutter, to that foggy lens by healing the things in my life that keep getting in the way, the traumas and the stories and the limitations and all that. So there's so many different areas that have been a gift for me to look myself in the mirror and say, man, like, are you going to go? Are you going to quit? Are you just going to keep going through? And it's not over. And that's what I love. It's like, we're living in a world, one big shitstorm of adversity. And do you focus on the solution? Do you focus on opportunity? Or do you sit and you play victim? Poor me. Why me? It's the president's fault. It's my aunt's fault. My, my aunt and uncle don't, you know, like all the bullshit. It's, it's like, how much ownership do you take for your life in general? And that's really what it comes down to. So fuck, I could go on all day about this. <laughs> I love that. And it's a truth. Once you see a truth in one arena, you see it, that cord goes through everything. It becomes that piece of the tapestry that is our existence. You mentioned that you've had sobriety and then fallen off. And then even recently, seven months ago, you said that you decided you made the choice, but then afterwards there was some regret. Can you give us the insight to that dialogue, that narrative? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. So just to kind of explain everybody, I'm in Argentina, Buenos Aires. I worked many years in the bars. I appreciated fine wine, steak, food. I'm here for a month and I'm like, man, how do I not drink a nice Malbec? How do I not do that? And I know better, but I made the choice and the old me came back in full force that night. And I woke up the next day and it wasn't just a wine. We ended up going out and drinking. I woke up. I knew I made that choice, but I regretted it after. Here's the thing. like When you're going through addictions like that, like alcohol, it's a sneaky one. You don't feel like it's an addiction, but and you feel like when you've gone a long, long period that, oh, well, this time I got it. This time I got it. It's going to be different. It's always the same outcome. This is a really good, big piece of advice for people that if you're sober, just remember it's always the same outcome at the end. It's never going to change. You're always going to feel like shit. You're going to go backwards. And that's what happens. It's when you go long enough, sometimes though, people, they think that it's going to change. And for me, I knew what was going to happen, but I went into it. I was like, I can handle it. And look, I did. I, I went back. I haven't drank since. So I feel like the, a lot of the work that I've done has helped me deal with that. But it's, it's in our face everywhere, right? Alcohol is in our face anywhere. And people say, oh, I don't have an issue with it. I'm like, I don't know. Like A lot of people have issues with it. They think a two or three glasses of wine a night is normal and whatever you're at, it doesn't matter. I don't judge anybody. Like I worked in the industry for years, man. So that has been a dance for me, bro. It's just like figuring out like, is this something I actually want in my life? And I've learned the lesson a few times now. That's not the person I want to be. And even though that 
I know that I still made that choice. And I had to ask myself, like, are you going to fall down and go back to old habits of kind of like, just kind of unraveling like I've done in the past? Or are you just going to say, all right, no big deal. Let's just forget about it and move on. That's what I did. So that's the difference, I believe, in my actions this time versus a couple other times is that I have seen how the pattern of the past has done that. And I've recognized it and had the awareness in the moment to not go down that direction. And that's tough for people that are, are trying to fight an addiction. I wouldn't recommend going back to anything that you're not wanting if it's not bringing you closer to something and it's bringing you down. So yeah, it's it's been one of those things. And like I mentioned, it, it's so ingrained into me, into my lifestyle that it's been a tough one to crack, but I'm not a big AA person. I don't really believe in that. It's probably great for people, but I believe that I am powerful enough to fucking work it out myself and figure it out. And I have, but this is the stuff we go through. Like I want to be able to help somebody that asked me, Hey, should I, I've had people be like, I'm sober a year. Should I have a drink? I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I've had people, the opposite have been like, should I do it? And I'm like, no, they do it and they fall off again. So, but for me to have to be able to speak to this, to people that are going through this, you know, I have to be able to have walked the walk. So yeah, man, it's been a journey way further ahead in that regard than I was, let's say five years ago. So I feel grateful for it. And that's what it is. We have to remind ourselves that it's the definition of insanity. We're repeating the same process, hoping for a different outcome. And I've had people say things like, how can you call adversity a gift? What about this person who's a drug addict? What about this person who is forced into sex slavery, whatever it is? First of all, all those things are horrendous. And I'm not saying that they're okay. I'm not saying that they're great. But what I am saying is sometimes the lesson from adversity is to stop putting yourself in the same position. Stop volunteering. Stop allowing yourself to get caught by this. If we find ourselves in that position, because what happens, even with like a toxic relationship, we see people that will go back to abuse, people that will go back to a person. Why? Because they mistake familiarity with preference. I remember this feeling. I remember this. And they associate all this other stuff with it. But yet at the end of the day, they still end up feeling much worse, being much worse. And lots of times those consequences are just continuing to unravel, even though we're not aware of them. Yeah. The cycle is interesting. The human being is an interesting organism, man. Like these things are so ingrained into our psyche that we think we can just get away from them, but it's not like that. It remembers and it can come sneak around and test you and, and test you in ways that will challenge you. And that's what it is. And man, it's so easy to numb out from something challenging with all the things that we have, the distractions we have from feeling the feelings. And that's really what it is. It's like, what am I taking? Why do I not want to feel this moment? Why do I need to go and drink? Why do I need to go and divert myself from that? Like, And there's so many things that people do that take them away from feeling. And the, the phone is a big one. Sugar, all that crap. It's like, as soon as things get challenging, like, oh, I got to distract myself. Right? But a lot of people don't have that awareness that they're even doing it. Like you say, with the TikTok culture, 
I'm 50. So all these kids on TikTok, but reels are huge. But even on Instagram, like reels, all these things are, are big. And what is it designed to do? Even Netflix, Amazon, all this stuff. What is it designed to do? As soon as you're done with that program, lower right-hand corner, loading next episode, three, two, one, boom, it's already going. And then it's easy for you to get stuck in it. Or again, with all these things where it's like you watch this thing, just 20 seconds of bombardment with lights and music and loudness. And then the next one comes on. And now you're literally in this cycle. And again, we see it again, the cycle we see with veterans, they go out and to them being in chaos where life and death is happening every second. And then coming back, fighting so hard for this freedom, fighting so hard to have the time with their family. And then when they get back, it's like very hard because that's what they've been conditioned to this elevated adrenaline, this fear, this deadline, this incapacity to actually step back and be relaxed. And then once they're there, that's what they fought so hard for. And yet they're not able to be in that place. So that's why, and you and I talk about the warrior mentality. The reason why the warrior has to be multifaceted, even in battle is because there will come a time when the battle will be done. And if you don't have those attributes honed while in the heat of adversity, the capacity to step back, to detach, to have empathy, to do the right thing, to have a moral compass, to do the right thing, to understand that you have to have aggressive patience at times, to understand that just pushing forward is not always the answer. In fact, many times you and I work with people where it's like, they keep saying, how do I push harder, Marcus? And I say, you can't, like you've done everything that you can. And to them, the answer is more, more, more. And now when they don't know what to do, it's like, well, actually you need to step back. And instead of saying, how do I drive harder? Ask yourself, am I doing this for the right reasons? And now we can come obliquely at this problem. And now this becomes this other dimension that they can potentially tap into and grow. You were saying how we want to distract ourselves. And again, it's very easy and it's only going to get easier as technology evolves, let's be honest. But the reality is if you're meditating and you have an itch on your ankle, you can scratch it, but if you just sit with it, what happens? Eventually it reaches a zenith, it reaches a high point, it doesn't get any worse. And then you say, well, I can endure this. It's not going to kill me. Where is the evidence this is actually hurting me? And then finally, it kind of gradually fades away because we are able to weather the storm. And that's a very small thing. But again, the analogy can be translated into any area that we want if we are willing to take that advice. But more importantly, if we're willing to remember the lesson, especially when the stakes are very high. And many times that's when we need it the most, but it's the hardest for us to remain true in that moment. Yeah. And you, the warrior is, man, it's such a powerful archetype that is missing in our society today. And I love that you brought that up because it's a balance of the doing and the being, you know, the masculine and the feminine. I think a lot of people miss the warrior as being that person that's able to like slow down when you need to learn the information, like don't react, sit in your, in the driver's seat of your life, you know, not reactive mode. And I think a lot of people are lacking that, right? I think compassion for others, you know, where they're at patience, I think self-love compassion for yourself. I think it's missing. I really think our society is just completely missing that. And I, that's why the worry, I love you bring it up. And we're talking about Stephen Pressfield. It's like, it fascinates me, man. It fascinates me because that archetype is like, it, it came to me during a breathwork session in Sedona. I was doing this deep breath. Usually breathwork comes and I have like a really emotional 
usually it's like a sad thing. And this moment was this like powerful moment, dude, that it was like I was sitting there and it was like this warrior that went back in fucking generations that was like coming out. And I was like, I remember Kyle Kingsbury, I was at a fit for service summit. Aubrey Marcus is, you know, one of my mentors and we were, we were sitting there doing it. And Kyle Kingsbury's like, let that fucking warrior out. It's like, he knew it was, it was crazy. And I like, all of a sudden was like, I was primal, dude. It was like, I was in a, I let this scream out and it was like laughter. And it was like, it wasn't like a sad, it was like, it was so powerful. And it like, it came out of me and I was like, what the hell is that? Like, what was that? And then I was I kept getting this like warrior embodiment, this like warrior thing. And I'm like, cause I'm very big into listening to my intuition. And I was like, I need to understand what this is. Cause I was studying a bit of the warrior archetypes from King warrior, magician, lover, warrior ethos. And I was like, this is it. This is the thing. This is what we're missing. This is what I need to talk about. And it fascinates me how people misunderstand it and just like, what it actually means to embody the warrior and unlock it. And it was just so powerful because it, it felt like it was ingrained so deep in my DNA that it was like coming out for the first time. And shit like that is powerful, man. When it, when you have experiences like that, you can't ignore it. Like I couldn't ignore it. So really like that is what kind of like inspired me to want to use that as like that prime archetype of like what we should shoot for, like what the ideal thing that we're missing in our society. So what are your thoughts on warrior a little bit more, man? Because like, I know the work that you've done as well in the past. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on it because it just fascinates me. Absolutely. In my new book that I'm working on, I'm breaking it into three parts, like the war of art with adversity, the warrior mindset, which is the second part. And then the gifts that we learn once we overcome. So we have to have that warrior archetype and it's within all of us. If you see a woman that has a child and they're in danger, I guarantee that woman's going to fight. Like there's a warrior within her, absolutely there. And lots of times we need adversity as that catalyst to make that come out. And many times if we try to get away from it, we won't even know that it's there. We can keep it kind of stifled. But once you've lived long enough, once you've done enough things in your life, it's only a matter of time before you get rocked. And here's what you have to ask yourself. The warrior archetype is important and a real warrior is multifaceted and we'll get into that. But here's what I want to know. I've had some people say, oh, everybody wants to be a warrior and they talk about it and they watch all the Viking movies and all this stuff. And that's great. But what they don't understand is it's only a matter of time before somebody or something tries to take from you something that is yours, your life, your freedom, your family, physical material possessions. And in that moment, you have to decide if I don't have this warrior capacity within me, I'm just going to be docile. And here's the problem. There is a time to turn the other cheek. But if you do it too often, eventually you will have no other choice. So I have met people that claim that they're pacifists, but they're actually cowards because they do not have the capacity or the will to fight when they actually should be. And you and I talk about adversity. So what happens if you give up at the first sign of adversity, you are conditioning yourself to surrender when you should be fighting the hardest. And now you will roll over for anything. Now you won't believe in anything and you'll claim it. But the moment that you make that decision one time to capitulate, it's so easy to capitulate about alcohol, your job, food, sobriety, whether it be from pornography, whether it be staying true to your wife, any of these things, your workout, any of that stuff. 
So that small slip that you've allowed yourself to have this one time, it changes the entire trajectory, not only of your morning. Oh my God, let's start. People that hit snooze. If you hit snooze, what are you doing? You're literally setting the intention for the rest of your day that I'm going to put everything off. I'm going to wait. Oh, I can do it later. And now as the day progresses, that's all you're going to do. And if you hit snooze in the morning, every day of your life, what do you possibly expect to come from that? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to get up. We're supposed to attack it. And there are days, listen, if you're having a hard time getting up, maybe go to bed earlier, maybe not stay up too late to distract yourself with a bunch of bullshit. But understand, we have to have that driving purpose to make us want to get up. Everybody talks about programs and it's like, okay, this is my morning routine and this is what I do and blah, 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 blah. Well, warriors do have a a routine. Warriors do have something that they go through, but it's because they have this driving purpose. They're fighting for their country, for their countrymen, for their families. So if you can't not hit snooze, if you don't have a routine, if you're not driven or motivated, understand that you're just not finding purpose. And you can never out-distract yourself or outwork a life that lacks purpose. Never, 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 never. You can read all the books in the world. You can listen to all the podcasts in the world. It will not do the work for you. And the only person who knows what the hell that is, is you. And what matters to you right now may not matter to me, but it may not matter to you and in a year from now either. So understand what is driving me. What do I feel inadequate about? What do I ask the questions in my TEDx? If you woke up tomorrow, paralyzed from the neck down, what do you wish you would have accomplished with your life? That's a heavy fucking question. It's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a bunch of like, what's your favorite color and what do you like to eat and what makes you feel good? You have to ask those deep questions and then you have to be comfortable with what comes back. Sometimes the answer is, I don't know. It's okay to not know. It's not okay to not dig deeper to understand why the hell you don't know. It's not okay to just sit there and be passive. It's not okay to just be that contrarian that claims that they're being edgy because they're like, oh, I disagree with this. Well, what do you think? What's your opinion? What's your answer to this? Well, I I just think that that's a bad, okay, that's fine. Give me an answer. Because if you don't have a solution, all you're doing is bitching and complaining. And this world is full of those kind of people. And that's not what a warrior does. A warrior takes a stake. They put their neck out there. They put stuff out like you and I do. And they have people that come at them sideways sometimes. And that's fine. Because at the end of the day, those people that don't get our message, how can you call adversity a gift? Why do you want to master adversity? Well, we're explaining to you why. And if you don't get the message, that's okay. Maybe in a few years you will. Maybe you never will. That's okay. It's not my job to be everyone to everything. It's not my job to lead a horse to water. My job and your job is to make the horse thirsty. And now they know where to go get what they need. But in the process... Yeah. So I went on a tangent about that, but that's what a warrior is to me. Like I've done martial arts since I was a kid. I was in the military for a while. So this warrior ethos is very much within us. And whether it be carrying a weapon to defend myself and other people, or whether it be using my mind as that weapon to do those things, that's what the most important thing is. It's not this idea that I'm a warrior. And then when something happens, no, 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 you got to step up. And that's when you learn who really is. Yeah. And like you said, it's it's not even always the hard things that come up or like it doesn't always have to be this like crazy event that happens. It's like, how do you show up just in all the areas? Do you avoid these things? Man, there's so many areas of our lives that can be opportunities to avoid the situation. It's And that's really, again, comes down to self-awareness. It's like, how do you show up when that happens? Like, the discomfort of things happening. Like you said, getting up in the morning, 
hitting snooze. That's a big deal, but it's a simple thing. It's not like a big world war, but that is literally the war with yourself. That is like a warrior thing. Like the warrior doesn't hit snooze. And man, honestly, like we, I've hit snooze, we've all hit snooze, but that's a great point because it is about those simple things. And again, it's about your overcoming yourself. Like today I won't hit snooze. That's a win. Boom. Right. And then there's like, that builds the rest of the day. Like what message are you sending? That is warrior. That is like complete ownership and self-awareness of your behaviors and tendencies. Because all of that stuff is what builds confidence to want to go to battle when it's time. If you're not doing those things, the simple things daily and, and making sure that you're taking care of those simple foundational steps here and there, then when things get really bad, you're going to collapse. So that's such a good point about the snooze because just something so simple like that has such an impact on your day and the message you're sending yourself. It's such an important piece that I think most people hit snooze. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, they hit snooze on their life. Exactly. Yeah. They do. And it's small, it's, it's incremental, but those incremental things over time are monumental. That's what we have to have. So, again, it's that small win. And what I have found is it's one of these two. When I joined the infantry, when I was in the military, when you're in infantry school, it's four months straight. You don't really have a choice. Like, you got to get up. So, that was like full immersion or doing 75 hard or some sort of physical thing. These are things that like, it's hard discipline. Like you either pass or fail. Did you do both workouts? Did you drink all the water? Did you read the book? Then day one, here you go, start tomorrow. And for a lot of people, they need that for a time or maybe a phase or a season, but other people don't want that. Other people, if they want to slowly begin, then again, something as simple as don't hit snooze. Oh, well, I have a hard time waking up. Well, let's examine why you're going to bed so late. What are you doing that's requiring so much sleep? What time are you getting up? Oh, Jocko says I have to get up at 4.30. That's great for Jocko. If you got up at 4.30, what would you do? Uh, I don't know. I guess I'd work out. Do you want to work out? Well, yeah, but I don't need three hours to work out. Okay. So again, we start asking those questions, just following something blindly. Like, listen, follow principles and not people. Principles are unchanging. People evolve. People fail. We're all human. And even people like Jocko or David Goggins or anybody that we see that are these monuments of discipline, they still have tough times. They still have days when they don't want to do it. They still have to fight it every single time. So to give them a pass and say, oh, well, Lance or Marcus or any of these guys, it's easy for them to say that because they don't have to deal with it every day. Bullshit. Every day we do have to do that. I don't even allow my clock, the capacity on my phone to have a snooze on it. It goes off. I have to get up. That's the goal. That's why you do it. Without a deadline, time means nothing. So you have to have consequences to everything that you're doing. And that's a very small example of how if I had the option to hit snooze, even if you accidentally hit it when you're sleeping or you thought that you hit it, and now all of a sudden you're 45 minutes later, an hour late, and that 10 minutes in the morning, you end up spending the rest of the day trying to recapture. You're always behind. You always feel like you're rushed. You never feel like you're going to get back where you get to. And again, that dictates the pace of everything else you do. So even if you're staying up till two in the morning watching Netflix, again, that's helping you get set up to fail again. So again, that conversation, just like you were talking about earlier about sobriety, about this narrative, about saying, oh, it's not a big deal or, oh, it's just one more episode or, oh, it's blah, 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 blah. You have to approach this the way a warrior does, which is if you come into a battle confused and docile, that's the recipe for the defeat. That absolutely fucking is. If you go in with this attitude that this battle has to be won 
And if you know the actual stakes, if you treat it like it's the most important thing in the world, man, in some ways it is. You have to have that kind of gravity because if you don't, it's going to be very easy to put off until tomorrow. And you know my story about when I was paralyzed from the neck down, like I thought about all the times that I was like, oh, I'll just watch another episode or, oh, I'll, I'll just get a nap or, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And man, we don't know how much time we have. And here's the other part. It doesn't have to be so mortal. It doesn't have to be this idea of, oh, well, we're going to die. No, but here's the thing. If you're 25 right now and you're single, if you don't have any kids, you have a lot of opportunities. You can work a nine to five job, start a side hustle. You can go teach English in Europe or in another country. There's nobody depending on you. It's just you. But maybe 10 years from now, you do find somebody and you do have a child. So now all those opportunities that you had, the time that you have now to do all these incredible things, these opportunities that you could be creating in the future that you thought that you could just push off until tomorrow. And it doesn't mean your life ends at 35, but it does mean that the opportunities that you've had between now and then are gone forever. So if you don't approach it with that sort of intensity, if you don't attack it like that, then how do you possibly expect to get anywhere in this? You and I have been around some pretty big players in this industry. And what I have found, and I know that you'll echo this, is this. They don't want you to come with your hands out. They want you to earn it. They want you to be up here. They want you to see they want to see that you've done the work that they're doing, that you're trying to do what they've done. And they're further down the road than we are. But they started right where we are now. They might have started even further behind than where we were at the beginning, because they may have started this 20 years ago before the internet, before there were people like you and I and all these other people that have actually gone out and done things and tried to teach other people. That's why it's so important. So don't come out hoping that these people are going to give you those accolades. If you really want to be great at what you do, stop waiting for permission Stop waiting for a pat on the back. Go fucking earn it. And guess what? After the fact, that's when you will get it. And by then you won't even give a shit. It won't matter to you. Why? Because you've done the work to get there. And that in and of itself is the reward. That's what helps you get to that place. And now with that warrior mentality, you can put it in any arena. You can absolutely own that. But you have to do the work. Well said. You mentioned 75 hard. Like That changed my life, man. I remember... I was talking to Keith Yaki. Do you know Keith Yaki? I know who he is. I don't know him. He's a good dude. And I remember I was talking to him and he's talking about 75 hard. I've heard about it a million times. I love Andy Frisella, but I was like, I'm doing it this time. He told me, he's like, man, I just made a commitment to myself that I am doing this no matter what. And when I made that commitment, it changed everything for me because we have these negotiations with ourselves every single day. It's wild how it happens. It's like, you can say all the things I'm going to do this, but when it comes down to it, it's like, well, I mean, do I really need to do this? I don't really need to do it. And it's like, it happens all the time. And I guarantee that jockles of the world have just learned and the Joe Rogans have just learned to silence that inner bitch so well from the reps day in and day out that they have that disciplined foundation. And that 75 hard was so great because it's what I needed to set foundation from getting in shape to just doing simple things. They're not hard, but it's like commitment, time management to like, no matter what, these two workouts need to get done today. So my entire life gets planned around that, not changed everything. I was like, I can't go on this trip because it's going to mess with this and I'm going to wait. Or like, I would literally book everything around my non-negotiables. And I was like, oh shit, I get it. 
I get what he's doing. About day 30, you're like, I understand why he creates this. And it's just these like habits that you build, these like pillars that all of a sudden the rest of your life gets easier because you're doing these things. You look good, you feel good, you're feeding your mind, you're hydrating, you're exercising, you're outside, you're like, oh man, I understand why. And then no matter what you do, this is getting done when it's that mentality, everything else is easy. Cause you're like, this is no matter what, I'm doing this. And so many people. I see, and Andy's talked about this too. I've seen him try and negotiate with what it is too. Like, oh, well, I'll just make my own challenge or my own. And I say, I'm like, you guys, he did this. There is for a reason. Stop taking shortcuts. This is why you need to do this thing is because of that mentality of trying to cut corners. Just fucking do it and you'll see what it's going to bring you. And you can tell I'm passionate about this because I understood why you do it that way. And then- you don't need to always live that life, but what it does is it sets up your discipline and your foundation. And if you need to get in shape and you actually follow it, you'll get in shape. I lost a bunch of weight and now I'm maintaining. Do I work out twice a day? No, but like it was the 75 days is such a perfect amount to create that, that structure and to just learn that negotiating with yourself and if you're clear on your purpose, like there's just no, you cannot do it. You have to stay solid in those things. So I resonate with it so much because I think it's those, again, the simple daily things every single day that make so much difference in our lives. It's because motivation dies, man. Motivation goes away. It's the fundamentals. It's the daily actions. It's the daily practice of things that actually make shit happen. We can visualize, we can do all the things, but it's like you have to do the reps every single day over and over and over again. So I personally, I just love that program so much because it kind of solidifies and just gives people the gift of non-negotiables of what's important in your life and everything else just kind of falls into place. So it's a powerful tool. Especially if you're if you're struggling, I think. It, and I wanted to bring up one more point that you mentioned. You talk about the morning routine. It starts the night before. Your night routine is more important. I say this to people all the time. I'm like, first of all, get off your device or put your blue blockers on at night on your eyes because you're fucking up your sleep. You're waking up the back of your brain. You wonder why you can't sleep. You're eating before bed. Test it out. You know, see how you feel. Wake up and you feel the reason you're hitting the snooze is because your body needs sleep or wants sleep because you didn't set yourself up because your body's digesting food late at night. You've been watching screen. You haven't allowed yourself that to be able to unwind and to like slow down and to like disconnect from technology. It starts the night before and you, people forget that. And like writing, even if you a to-do list, man, like I have my best mornings when I just write shit out the night before. Then I wake up and I'm like, oh, it's all here. There's not like this like anxiety of like, what do I got to do? And what I got to do right now? It's like, no, it was done the night before. So I think that's a big one too, is like people don't pay attention to that night routine. They think it all just happens in the morning, you know, when that alarm goes off, but no, like it starts the night before. It absolutely does. And I say it all the time. If everything's a priority, then nothing is a priority. And the beauty of Andy Frisella, I've learned from him, from Arte Syndicate for years now, 
amazing guy, obviously, but 75 hard is the same thing. Like I'm disciplined, but yet even the same thing going into that. There's something about a lot of the stuff I was doing before, but to do it every day, non-negotiably. Again, Andy says, sometimes we had this terrorist in our mind, this inner bitch. And it's like, you don't negotiate with terrorists. Like there's this non-negotiables. So this is the reality. It's like, this is the power list. These are the things that get done no matter what happens, no matter what's going on. And again, like you said, if we do it the day before, now when I wake up, because I have that magical hour in the morning, but if I spend 10 minutes of it trying to figure out what the hell I'm supposed to be doing now, I only have 50 minutes of that. If I do that every day for five or seven days, that's an hour I'm wasting a week. That's four hours a month. That's 48 hours. That's an entire work week. I'm wasting over a year because I don't have the discipline or the intelligence to write it down the night before. So that's a small leak. So imagine what other areas where we could be doing the same things. And that's a small leak. That's a 10 minute leak. It starts there. It seeps into the rest of your life. It does. You will bleed out. You won't even know it. You will have the audacity to be surprised. And then you look down and you're like, oh, I guess my femoral arteries gushing. Yeah, it's, it's too late at that point. It's like you have to be aware of that stuff at the opportunity now when we can do it, when we're not tired, when we're not fatigued, when we're not in the morning saying, oh, I'm going to hit snooze. It's like, no. And I've hit snooze before as well. But at this point in my life, I understand that it doesn't serve me. I don't have the luxury of doing that. And what do I do? Without a deadline, time means nothing. So knowing that if I have to get up at a certain time, if I don't get up at that time, now I won't have time to do my walk in the morning. My wife and I go for a walk every day. She does 75 hard with me. So now that's programmed into us in the morning. Do we do two a days? No, but the dogs love to go for the walk too. What does that give us? The phones are down. She and I are talking. She owns her own business also. She's an entrepreneur. So now we clear the decks, talk about the day, see what's going on. Am I going to have time to have lunch with her? Are we going to have dinner that night? Are we both going to be so busy? It's like, hey, love you, babe. I'll talk to you at midnight. That's fine too. But now we're given that ability. So now we connect and what else are we doing? We're outside getting sun, walking, walking the dogs, have that community, have that combination of connection and the ability to disconnect from our devices. And now what does that do? That's just the intention for the rest of the day. We've already dictated the pace, which is I've already won. I've already checked this box, go in, get a shower, get some more water. Now you go out and attack the day. If I'm fasting that day, I just keep fasting. I just keep going. And if I'm not, it's a time to get something to eat. I got a question for you. Would you say that that kind of structure helps you to create more confidence and belief in what you're doing? Absolutely. It's everything, like you say, because I'm making a promise to myself that I'm going to do this. Right? Because like that's what I notice. People ask me all the time, well, how do you believe in yourself? How do you get confidence? It's like that shit is built by the things that you do that you start to feel good about because you've done them. If you don't do things that you say you're going to do, it's like you just feel like a fraud to yourself. And I've had the best days I've had are the days that I'm stacking those small wins. And then I'm like, man, I feel good today. I've got this done, this done. I'm feeling good. And then for whatever reason, I have more belief in myself and I do that consecutively. Then I'm like, that's what it is. It's not just accident. These people that we see don't just get belief or confidence accidentally. It comes from doing shit and building those bricks over and over and over. And then you become confident. It's like when I, I've used the example of podcast interviewing, right? Like I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I started, but I was doing like three interviews a week. And I was like, I was interviewing people over and over again. And all of a sudden I was like, man, I'm like, I'm starting to get 
better. And I've started, and it was just consistently for four years now that it all of a sudden you grow and you get confident because you're doing it. And it doesn't just come out of nowhere. That's what I, people are like, well, how do I get more confident and belief in myself? Do what you say you're going to do consistently. It starts again, overcome your inner bitch every morning first, and then build on that. That's how it's done. And like you talk about the successful people we've come in contact with and interviewed, it's like these people don't have anything that you don't have. They're further experienced. But if you look and you listen to their story, they have relentless belief in themselves and relentless consistency over and over. They will not take no, they will not take a failure as anything other than an opportunity to grow. That's the difference is like these people, you ask them, well, how did you become successful? It's like they have a relentless work ethic and relentless belief in doing the small things over and over and over again consistently until you see them as this person that has it all figured out. But really, it's just that consistency over time. But people don't understand. They think people accidentally get successful. It's not like that. It's not like that. Like people have to get their ass kicked and go through adversity over and over again and then figure out like what are the key fundamentals here that I need to do to build that belief that and confidence that fear is okay. Because if you're not doing things that build that, then when shit hit, when a fear comes or somebody challenges you, you're just going to crumble because you don't have that foundation. You don't have the confidence. You don't have the belief. And that really comes with that consistency. So yeah, there's no accident with this stuff. You see this on social media. People just want somebody to give them the answers or do it for them. It's like, just fucking doing something consistently for a while. That's it. Stop cutting corners. Just do the thing for a while. Like you can't expect it. You know, we're talking about podcasting. You and myself, we see it the same way. I did podcasting as a way to give value. And I love the feeling of like serving people. And I didn't give a shit about trying to like gimmicky, like, oh, I'm going to turn podcasts into a big money making machine. Look, down the road, great. I'm happy if at all. There's lots of opportunities that come, but it's the relationships. It's the doing the thing over and over again. And that itself of just giving without expectations. And where I was at in my life, I was like, man, I just love the idea of just, just like giving and not thinking about it that way. And that I was okay with just doing it for years without getting anything from it. Like I say to people, if you're not going to do something like a podcast or anything for at least three to five years, don't even bother. Like the time it takes. And so many people stop doing things because it gets difficult because they see people on social media, they have this expectation of success. And really, they don't just realize where they're at that it's going to take a while sometimes. Shit takes a while sometimes to get going. And that coming back to the discipline, that's what keeps you solid every day from quitting and falling off is your daily things. And they start the night before. So anyway, I just went off on a tangent there. No, that's that's why we have a long form <laughs> podcast. And, and that's the reality. Everybody wants somebody to give things to them. But the things that we need, even if somebody gave me the keys of the kingdom, gave me the blueprint, they cannot give me discipline. They cannot give me a driving purpose. They cannot give me fulfillment. Only I can earn that. And how many people have we talked to? Tom Bilyeu, multimillionaire with his first company. And he was like, and I was fucking miserable because he thought 
that once he got to this monetary level, that all these other problems would be solved. And then he got there and he was like, I'm even more fucked up than I was when I started. And that's when he was like, I'm driven by this idea of ending metabolic disease. I'm going to create quests. And like, there's a billion people that are doing protein bars. Now he's like, I'm going to do it different. I don't know how. And guess what? Sold that thing for half a billion dollars. And now he's got impact theory, which is just the most powerful thing in the world. So it's like, yeah. And what does that do? That teaches us if we have that, if we have that capacity and the people that I know that had the most trouble with discipline that are triggered by the word discipline, that's fine. How about we call it routine? How about we call it consistency? Whatever word is easier for you to, that's more palatable for you, understand that it's about that consistency, no matter what you call it. Anybody that we know that's successful, they've done something for a long time and martial arts, podcasting, anything. These people have fallen down and failed more times than what other people have even attempted to do. And they've understood that this is just part of the process. So if you can come from that place of humility, if you can come from that idea of being a learner, that anti-fragile idea of every time I'm in this place, I'm going to be uncomfortable or I need to be uncomfortable. If everything in your life right now is really easy, you're in the midst of adversity, but the adversity that you're facing is mediocrity and they don't even know what they're like, just being suffocated by it. If you're not pushing yourself to some capacity, you really have no idea what you're capable of, whether it be 75 hard, whether it be like you did with your book where a book is easy. All we do is open up a document and bleed onto the computer. But most people don't have the consistency to do it in a consensus that actually makes sense that can help somebody else, or they don't have the courage to do that deep writing to find out what's actually in there. Like everybody that you see that has these superficial ideas, if you go below the surface of it, you can see who's true and who's not. So again, somebody like Andy Versella, if you're like, oh, he's just the guy that yells at you, you're missing the point. Like, there's a lot more to him. There's a lot more that had to happen to him to get to that place. But this is just a part of him. It's not this guy that just yells all the time. There's a very spiritual component. Like he had a near that experience. He was stabbed in the face. He almost died. That gave him crazy urgency. A lot of people don't see that. A lot of people just see this guy that creates 95 hard and first form and all these other incredible companies. That guy's got a big heart, man. You're right. And like, it's your ability to be able to see people. I can see people's, I'm like, man, you're full of shit. Or I'm like, I love this guy. There's so like, and I try not to get upset about the people that I'm like triggered by. Cause I'm like, it's something within myself that's bothering me, whatever. But it's like, you see somebody like Andy and I'm like, I fucking love this guy, man, because he's got a fucking heart and he cares. You can see he cares. And yeah, he gets a bit emotional. Does he lose his control? Yeah. But that's what I love. I love his human side. And that's why I resonate with that guy so much because he doesn't have to speak up and do what he's doing. He's, he could just, you know, but he does because he's got a heart and he sees it. And, and those are the kind of people out there that I, I resonate with that are just in truth. And you don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not. Like not everybody can be Andy Frisella. Not everybody can be Ed Milet or, you know, whatever. It's just, dude, I fully believe, man, if you can just be yourself without saying the buzzword like authenticity, but that's really just be yourself. People need you. It doesn't matter because if you're trying to be like somebody else and get somebody else, like Lewis Howes, like if I'm trying to be like Lewis Howes and get Lewis Howes audience, then I'm being a fake. Be yourself because somebody needs what you say exactly the way you say it. And if you can fucking do your best to feel that way. And I have to say this to myself, like, what does that mean for me? Like, 
like, how do I show up as myself and not as like some weird projection of trying to be somebody else? Because at the end of the day, they all are living a completely different story. And if we're trying to be like somebody else, you come across as not authentic or not being true. And I really think that's the biggest thing right now is like these people that you see online that are just full of shit. They're too scared to get real. They're too scared to talk about the hard things. And I think as we start to grow, I think as we start to move forward, the real people are the ones that that real, that real connection of like the truth of a human showing up in their truth is what people are going to connect with. The sales funnel and the gimmicks and the misleading bullshit, that stuff's all going to die. It's going to come down to the human. Like, how can I connect to this human? Like, what do they say? Like, how can I resonate or see myself in their story? That's how it is for me. I don't look up to these people that I I know are just full of shit. I try and connect with them some way and I can see if they're being real or not. And I think through writing a book and having podcasts, you start to be able to weed out the people that are full of shit. And maybe they don't mean to be full of shit. Maybe they're just scared. Maybe they're just trying to like compensate. They're, they're afraid to be themselves. So it's easier to be somebody else. And I think as we start to move forward here, especially, you know, with the state of the world and everything happening, I feel like, man, the people that are just showing up like the Andes and just, just being truthful about who they are and however that is for you is the key, is the key to actually inspiring somebody to want to think different and change their life is that they could resonate with you. But if you aren't, if you're robbing them of your real truth, then you're robbing them of like almost like the medicine they need. Because I believe that everybody has their own people that are going to resonate with them. I really believe that. I really believe that there's somebody out there that needs you to show up just as you are. Because then that's going to give permission. We talked about permission. People are just looking for permission slips all over the place. Is it okay if I just do this for my... like? Is it all right? Looking for validation to just be themselves. People are afraid to just be themselves. It's crazy. It is. And no matter who you are, whether you're be a person that's trying to create content to help other people or just to be the best husband, father, son, brother that you can be, being yourself, like who the hell you really are is the only thing that's sustainable. It's the only thing that's sustainable. Like you can be that person because that's who the fuck you are. Will there be different sides to you? Of course. But the reality is, again, like you said, if you're trying to imitate this person or that person, eventually you will fall off of that. Eventually it will feel false because it is. And here's the thing, like you were saying, you may think that you're fooling everybody. You may have all this slick marketing or this funnel and all this other shit. But man, the people that are attracted to that are not real. They're not going to take real action on what you create. They're not going to buy the stuff you're selling anyway, because even they know, even though they're attracted to it, it's still bullshit. And now this will be a huge fool's errand. You're wasting time, money, energy. But man, if you would just sit back and be happy with however many real followers you have and just try to put out something that's real for you, because every person that's creating content is usually trying to create something for themselves, something they've gone through, something they've went through, something they need to hear, a reminder that they need of. Listen, there's nothing new out there, guys. There's nothing new under the sun. He and I are talking about adversity because it's constant. And the reason why things are cliches is because people do not pick up on them the first time and they have to come around again and they come around every generation. And on social media, I noticed that everybody kind of takes it. And now everybody regurgitates it the way that they want to sound and they want to try to do it to get whatever. But the reality is if you don't know who the hell you are, why you're doing what you're doing, 
then eventually you're going to start finding opportunities to not do it. But if we have these priorities, if we have this power list of the things that really matter to us and we focus on those things, we start seeing like, again, that leak, that 10 minute leak from hitting snooze or from not being organized. Now, all the energy that we were wasting on bullshit social media or conversations that don't serve us or being pissed off at that person who didn't use a turn signal who turned in front of me, that's wasted energy. If I could take all that and harness it towards this workout, towards writing with all my heart for the next hour, to have that conversation, to be present, to hold back and hold space for this person, to tell this person what they need to hear, even if it's not what they want, to tell this person what they need to hear, even if it is just what they need to keep them going. That's what it is. It's not always about pushing through adversity. It's about learning. How do I maneuver within it? There's going to be times when we have to have the yin and the yang, but the reality is it's understanding when to feel the presence of what the opportune option is here, as opposed to saying, oh, I'm just going to drive through. What if he can't? I'm just going to drive harder. And if he can't, I'm just going to keep driving harder. No, you're not. You're going to break. You're going to burn out. Now what? Now what do you got? And that's when you find out who you are. And that's when you've just been introduced to adversity. Yeah, man. Awareness. That ability to be able to know when to pause is very, very important. That's the thing. Everyone's like, go, 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 go. It's like, yes, but there's seasons. There's time to slow down because a lot of answers I know for me are when I'm slowing down. And if we're always attacking, then we're not going to be able to listen sometimes to the call that comes in the silence, right? Intuition speaks to us, but if it's too noisy, it's hard to listen. And that slowing down doesn't mean being lazy. I think that's where people get lost in it too. They think, oh, I'm just being lazy by not doing anything. No, you're not. Reflection and contemplation of what you're doing and how you're feeling, how you're showing up, journaling, meditating, feeling your body, actually feeling it, listening, sitting in the dark and feeling these things, man. There's so much clarity that comes from that. Like, Why isn't that shit taught when we're kids? It's crazy to think about because that, this stuff has helped me so much. And I'm sure you can agree that there's just so much clarity that comes in the stillness. It's everything. And if we look at any Buddhist or any Taoist or any person who reaches enlightenment or has any sort of clarity or like Bafo Zingo, like enlightenment, so to speak, if you will notice the story goes like this, they do something, they learn a lesson, they meditate, they have this space for emptiness. Then they get up and they go do something that's mundane and then it hits them. Why? Because they've studied something intently. The next part is they gave themselves space for it to seep in, for their subconscious to start to chew on it, maybe even get an inkling of how to apply it. And then the opportunity is there. That's what happens. It doesn't happen when you're doing, 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 doing. It doesn't happen when you're sitting in meditation necessarily. It happens after the fact. Yes. That's so true, man. I get chills sometimes when I, something hits like that. It's so true because that's when it comes. It's not like in the thing. It's like when you go to do something else, it's like, oh, that's it. And that is so important to pay attention to that and to know that that is your intuition speaking. People ask me about that. Like, how do you know if it's your intuition? It's like a visceral thing that fucking rocks you. And there's like a scale. I talk about this in my book. It's like, there's like a scale of intuition. And it's like, it comes from like one to 10, I feel like. And there's like some things that come that aren't that big of a deal, but then there's like the nine or 10 out of 10 impulses that rock you. And you're like, you got to take action on this, even if it's write it down, because if you don't, you are going to be shown some serious roadblocks to make you pay attention. I fully believe that. 
I fully believe that if you aren't listening to that, that whisper and it gets loud and you ignore it and you choose a path that isn't aligned with that, you are setting yourself up for a fucking challenging time. And I also believe when we answer that sometimes in the present moment, it will bring us adversity, but I believe it brings us an easier life long-term versus challenging in the moment because you're choosing it. You're choosing the difficult thing because it's coming from the right place versus avoiding it temporarily and then being thrown this fucking crazy adversity that knocks you off because you weren't expecting it. I really believe that, man. And I think that's why it's so important. I talk about intuition so much, man, because it's been such a powerful tool for me in my life. Literally every decision, big decision I've made has been that. I didn't know what that was until the last couple of years when I really started to go inward and learn two or three years, you know, even doing ayahuasca and like understanding like what the intuition is and how it does speak to us. Because as I started to learn, I started to realize, oh shit, a lot of the stuff that used to speak to me when I was younger was that. And now I'm starting to realize the importance of listening to that. And going back to what you were saying, those activities of sitting there journaling give you the space. And then when you go and do something, like go for a walk, you're like, boom. And once you get good at that, answers come and you just trust that your higher self, man, like your your heart, your intuition, your soul, it wants to give you these messages. But if you don't give it the gift of peace and quiet and silence and clarity, it's going to be hard to distinguish whether it's your ego, you're either living in truth or someone else's story. It's going to be hard for somebody for you to distinguish like, is this actually for me or is this a projection of somebody's opinion that's coming up? And that's where people get lost. They're like, I don't know if it's intuition. I don't know if it's, if it's ego or whatever. It's, the problem is, is that too many people don't slow down and people don't know the difference because there's all this like information coming at them at once. But I believe like what you're saying, if you give yourself that time, then it separates and allows you to know, oh, this is coming from my heart, my soul, my intuition versus like this other story of somebody else or somebody's projection of what I should do. So I, I, I really agree, man. I think those moments after are so important. And I think those are just the simple things in life that people don't really understand. But if you get good at cultivating that within yourself, you get so much better at finding the answers you need. I could talk to you forever, my friend. Tell us a little bit more about your book, where we can go to, to get the book, to get our copies of it. It's out now. How else can we learn about you? How can we support you, Lance? Yeah, dude, I appreciate it, man. I'll have to get you back on my show again. This, was, this is great. I love your wisdom. You have such a great presence it's hard to explain, bro, but it just reminded me of our last conversation. So thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. We should connect more often. You know, Mastering Adversity is out now. It's a combination of my own story of personal growth combined with what I've learned and really giving people an opportunity to create more awareness in their life. Like I talked about, I say it as a, as a key factor. And also giving people a formula that's going to help them. Because when I read a book or when I am trying to understand things in my life, I need it to be broken down so I can relate to what's going on and categorize things. The whole point was to be able to have my story tied in to being able to relate 
to people that hear it, that they can see themselves in the story themselves and then give them like a tangible formula at creating awareness and then a formula on how to actually move from start to finish of what adversity is. Because I didn't want to just do a full story or a memoir. I wanted to really combine it almost with memoir how-to, the best way I know how. So from interviewing amazing people like yourself, you know, going and doing different healing modalities and really pushing myself to the limits in all areas. I wanted to share this as a tool and resource for a world of adversity, difficult times. I really believe that this book is going to be a great tool, especially now with this insane world we're living in and adversity is not going anywhere. So my hopes are just that people read it and can resonate and that they actually want to take action and apply it so that they can really take control of their life and be in the driver's seat rather than you know a passenger. So that's essentially the elevator pitch. I just want everybody to know something as well. This has been one of the biggest undertaking, probably one of the, the most challenging projects I've ever taken on in so many different ways that I wrote it in different parts of the world. I, I just put my blood, sweat, and tears into this. And it wasn't just written in a weekend that I'm going to give away as a, as a free book to people. It's like I put a lot into it. And I really, truly believe that this is going to help people a lot. So thank you, man. Thank you for giving me the space to share. Hopefully it's useful for people. No, it will be. And everyone, go get the book, get a book for a friend. If you liked any part of our conversation, I know that this book will serve you. Lance, thank you so much, brother. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Okta Nonverba inner circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.